Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Hello, Squirrel friends, and welcome to our half-year checkpoint, quarterly checkpoint. Something we've never done, Sophie. So thank you for being with us for this new and crazy type of roundup that I'm really excited about at All Marketing School. My name is Fab, founder and head teacher. And today with me for this week's chat, I have the wonderful Sophie is back. Hello, Sophie. How are we doing? Are we excited? I'm so excited. You know, I was actually thinking this morning and I feel like we say this every month, every Christmas, every New Year, every midpoint, but I cannot believe that we're in June already i feel like so much has happened in like the business world marketing world but somehow we're here already so it's flown by but i'm so excited to reflect with you and be here again because i love you what you do the community so it's good to be back bless you it's good to have you back and what i know is that we both really like to do reflections and we both like to look at what's working and what is not so because Obviously, the time of this comes out, it's going to be literally the last day of June, I believe. So we're really going into the idea of, okay, how have the past two quarters of the year actually changed or what has really made an impact and what has really jumped out. And so I wanted to look at that first. And then we're also going to do the fun thing of looking at what's coming up next, like some things that maybe we have learned that we think are going to affect either what we're going to do, how people are going to interact as well and be online. So because I don't want to put you on the spot both times, I'm going to start myself with um, something that jumped out from some of the things that happened. I'm going to look at a campaign and then I'm going to let you be the first one that talks about new things. But let's look at things that happened. So there's lots of social news. Literally go and check any of our old episodes about marketing roundups if you need a refresher on what has happened. So I actually am going to talk about something that is not one of the millions of things that change in social and is not AI, which, you know, would be like, that must be something. I actually want to talk about one of my favorite brands when it comes to marketing, which is Oatly. And I want to talk about something that is called Friends. You know that we swear. So just kind of a little disclaimer. It's called Fuck Oatly. So it's not even my fault. It's literally what it's called. Sophie, did you hear about this? Did you see this? Or am I going to introduce you to it? 
Yes, I think I saw it on LinkedIn originally, but I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this, actually, because I've seen mixed, mixed feelings, mixed reviews. So, yeah, I've seen it. It's cool. So if, dear listener or watcher, you have not seen or come across this yet, let me tell you a bit more about this new campaign. Actually, website, I should say, not just campaign from Oatly. This is a website and the reason why it's here is because Oatly had this little daring approach, which I generally believe is part of their MO when it comes to their brand, to acknowledge and address their missteps over the years on a literally dedicated website. The purpose of Fuck Oatly is to provide a time machine of sorts, you know, showcasing the not so great moments in their history, like controversial decisions like selling oat residue to pig farms and the fallout from an investor. It's really interesting because it really doesn't shy away from highlighting the brand's mistakes, tapping into, you know, how when it comes to the marketing psychology, we connect with more human brands that really show us that they're not perfect. And what was really interesting that I read was Brandon Lewis, which is um, Audley's EVP of Global Communication, shared that the idea behind the campaign was to be consistently inconsistent and challenge traditional marketing norms. So kind of being genuine, human, and far from ordinary. I just liked the approach because, first of all, it's very consistent with how Audley works. So in a way, in that respect, also, whether you like it or not as a campaign, whether it's something that you would do, it really is in my opinion, very much in the nature of the brand, which I also like. I find it really jarring when a brand decides to do something just because it sounds like a great PR or campaign stunt, but it doesn't really resonate with the brand's actual like values and tone of voice. So that I liked. I found that it made me chuckle because then I went on the website and it's literally every website, but it made me laugh because I was like, okay, this is literally our website. It's done in a way that is also quite engaging with their branding, I was going to say, and their colors. And, and it's kind of like, a, it's almost like an interactive website. I generally think it's more for them to give people something to talk about. It does. I appreciate the extra layer of messaging and, you know, like, like raw and genuine. And part of me also feels it is a PR stunt. So they have to kind of take it as with that as that as well. But it's interesting to see that obviously over the past couple of months, um, in the last in the last six months actually, seeing brands approaching these type of campaigns and this type of marketing a bit more. And obviously Oatly is Oatly, so it's bigger and that's what I've been doing consistently. But other brands as well are actually going back from you know, from showcasing user-generated content that is more about customers rather than just influencers or creators, to all the little things that people are doing to uh, brands are doing, sorry, to be more human. I take it as a as a really bold example of how this has been happening and changing. And I like it. Again, as I said, probably I wouldn't do it or I wouldn't do it that way for myself, but I just know because it wouldn't be in how we are and who we are, whereas Oatly consistently kind of has that tone of voice. So it surprised me, but not too much. But I found it as a good example of how far can you go <laughs> when it comes to show that your brand is imperfect, you know? So then these are my thoughts. What are yours? As you said, you saw a lot of people saying different things. And I think that's the other interesting thing. If anything, you got people talking, which is generally Mm -hmm. what they wanted. So in that respect, you have to give them credit for that. But what are your thoughts on this? Oh, yes. No, I really like this. And I, when I first saw it, it must have been Twitter or LinkedIn. I saw someone had shared a screenshot of what the website looked like. And despite the Oatly branding, I actually didn't realise that it was Oatly at first. Perhaps because it's so brave to put yourself on blast like that. Um, Perhaps because, I don't know, in internet culture, we're so used to seeing people and things get called out now. So it did take me a little bit of digging and reading on the website until I realized that, oh, this is actually Oatly holding their hands up very honestly and 
I really do quite enjoy how they continued their same tone of voice and kind of like cheeky approach. It wasn't, I don't know, it didn't feel like I was suddenly put into a boardroom and they were admitting all to me. It felt like a, a friendly, honest conversation between brand and consumer. 100% agree on the PR. Friends, I think marketers are as clever as they are genuine and honest you know these these people that smart they know what they're doing they want us to talk about this they want it to be a thing but despite the potential PR intentions I do really think it is a beautiful and quite a big step forward actually towards that more transparent brand consumer relationship that I've seen trending I've seen it in reports I see people talk about it for Outly to, I don't know, they didn't have to, did they? They didn't have to publish a website. That took time, resource, energy. But for them to make the decision to, oh, hey guys, like this is what has happened. This is us being honest. This is who we want to be and how we want to be greater. Hold us accountable. Handing over and sharing that stage with the audience is something I would love to see more brands do in future. I think brands are, and rightly so, very quick to hide hide the bad things. That that didn't happen. Let's get rid of it. Let's quickly swing past it. But yeah, to take it back up, put it on show. I think it is brave, it's honest. And I would really love I don't know if I'll do that myself, but I'd love to see that from other brands, that's for sure. Because, yeah, it's brave. I think it's a, it's a good step forward for sure. And I love that you mentioned as well, I mean, it's something that we've seen a lot more brands doing, I think, stepping into the imperfect element and that more human element in that respect. I think we have been, uh, you know, we've been seeing it when it comes to user-generated content in itself that obviously shows your people, your customers that already adds an element of humanity, but also Again, this is taking it that step forward, as we mentioned, the next level of it. And I think it's so interesting to see kind of only wanting to step into it. I think it's very, very, very clever. Now, I want to hear about you. I know that what you're going to talk about when it comes to your thing from the last six months that really jumped out at you is actually quite topical. And I love it. It's kind of quite kind of culturally relevant. And I saw that your post that you did about it also got so many people talking, which kind of shows that you were not the only one noticing. So tell us a bit more about what this is and why it jumped out for you. Of course. Now, I want to talk about Sophia Ritchie's wedding. Of course, of course I do. I, I'm i a, I'm a 97 baby. I grew up watching Britney, Top of the Pops, MTV, pop culture. In, it's in my blood. I love celebrity culture. I think it's so interesting and not just interesting because it's juicy and I love the tea but to see how it has changed over my lifetime and even recent years I think yeah it shapes in new ways all the time and um something I loved about Sophia Ritchie's wedding was just the buzz around it I um I did a post on this. I shared it on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, but Sophia essentially in the lead up to her wedding was doing get ready with me content on TikTok, sharing behind the scenes of the wedding, and just I don't know, being a person getting married, not a celebrity getting married, which is a really interesting dynamic to watch. Famous already of course, but in that week she got over eight hundred thousand followers on TikTok. Over the weekend of her wedding, there was just under 400 million views on the hashtag Sophia Ritchie wedding. 
Hashtag on TikTok. She was in the top 10 search rankings worldwide on Google for that week. And I assume in the top 10 for weeks prior. I have watched and I've seen a lot of celebrity weddings over the years. It's my thing. And I have never seen impact like that. We've had Kardashian weddings. We've had um, the Pouts Beckham wedding, all as high profile. But the people, the people, the viewers, me, we didn't care as much because we weren't included. Something that I think was really special about Sophia Ritchie's wedding and likely all PR and strategized, but we can appreciate it anyway, was how the doors were really open to you as a as a viewer. Me with percent of the net worth, social status, like I do not compare, but I included through sneak peeks of her wedding dress on her Instagram, the most kind of raw and badly edited, beautiful, but badly edited, um, get ready with me videos on TikTok. And I think it really is a sign of the times in terms of what we want as consumers from our influencers and from our celebrities. I um, I was actually reading, this makes me sound cleverer than I am, but I was reading um, HubSpot's Future of Marketing Report, I think it's called their 2023 version. It came out this month, I think. And part of the report shared that 80% of influencer marketers work with creators and influencers with under 100,000 followers. And only 16 want to and opt to work with celebrities or mega influencers with a million plus followers. And I think that those two combined how we appreciated Sophie's wedding because we were included and also how industry is shifting towards those more closer knit so-called communities. I'm really excited to see where that goes. I think that Sophie's wedding wasn't just a beautiful dress and a chance for part of the 1% to show off a really cool and beautiful wedding. I think it really does tell us a lot about where the industry's going, what people want to see on their homepages. And anytime I can appreciate a Chanel dress, I would do so. So I loved everything about it. I love the lessons. I think, yeah, I'm excited to see what she does next, but also the knock-on effects to others on her level, under levels. Yeah, it's really cool. I really love this because, I mean, I'm a bit biased because for the past month and a half, I've been really looking at and refreshing my knowledge of the creator economy. So it resonates a lot with me because I've actually been looking at different reports and the changes that have happened. And some of you may know Squirrel Friends. We did launch our first ever deep dive masterclass, which is about the, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, little claps, uh, about the creator economy. Because it's something that I worked in my previous past life. Some of us might remember that. For about seven years, I even had a small influencer agency at the time when influencer marketing was the only way you could call it. And uh, already there, you would see that that was what actually differentiated great relationships and partnerships. So as I was doing the research for the masterclass and our marketing mixtape, which also was a live event that happened this time in June. So if you didn't catch it up, you can catch it up if you are in our course library. And what I talked about there as well is that shift in changes in um, something that I saw in Fast Company, I believe it was, which was the idea of kind of content curation and like the choice of what we present to our audience to kind of help them. Obviously, if you're looking at 
you know, call to action and conversion content, you know, make decisions, you know, if you work with brands or partners, but also kind of how to include them more into the reasons why you, for example, even partner with a brand or include them more into some of your life happenings, like the wedding. And another example that I was thinking about as you were talking about uh, Sophia's one was, uh, oh God, I'm going to butcher his name, Jamie, I didn't prepare this one. So Jamie Lang from Made in Chelsea, I believe it is. Can you correct me? Uh, yeah, Jamie Lang, I think, and Sophie Habil, beautiful couple. Yes. Exactly. So because I follow uh, Sam Thompson on Instagram, shout out to Sam, who is our ex-boyfriend, I believe. So they were talking about the wedding. And so I've seen a few things about it. And then I went in and actually I looked at like some of the wedding prep they did they had a podcast very interestingly by the way you're gonna love this sophie they even launched a uh i think it's like a in punish with the wedding planner they launched like a little kind of wedding bundle to help people out with a checklist and things they need so again they really went entrepreneurial around it which i think is really clever they're really kind of uh right i've been riding that tide and everything building towards the wedding was kind of these snippets again it was, I think, a bit more constructed, especially with the podcast, you know, I think it was a bit more constructed. But it's really interesting because when, when you mentioned Sophia, when I read your post originally as well, I thought I've seen it with them as well. And it's a very interesting choice. And I think another thing to be reminded as well is that the choice that the creator makes, or again, in this case, more maybe like influencer and celebrity status, but of actually wanting to show these things, because that's the other thing as well. It's just um, if you want to work with a creator or if you are a creator, you need to make that choice. It's about understanding what your boundaries are and what you want to show and what you don't want to show, because that's that's where the cookie crumbles. It's just, you know, like it's getting people to feel included. And I find that, especially if you want to even use it as a marketer or even as a business owner, it's just asking yourself, which areas of my day-to-day, my work, my life do I want to show to kind of make my audience feel more included in the journey? And not everybody's going to do everything, like showing every part of the wedding or every part of their business. But I think it's a great reminder, as you said, of who brands want to partner with and what type of content people want to consume and just kind of getting into that perspective as well a bit more. Now I'm going to jump into the future. So we looked at the past. Thank you for joining me into this wild ride back to the future style. I'm a, I'm a 1990 baby. So I am kind of like the, that kind of bridge between the 90s and the 2000s. So Back to the Future is always a great reference when it comes to this. So going straight into the futures. Sophie even just kind of shuffled into the future, which I love. I'm going to start with you now because I started first. So I'm going to pass the mantle and ask you, what is something that you've learned or something that you've seen recently or something that you think is going to happen in the future that's actually going to change maybe some of the ways that you market online or you engage online? I would love to hear what has come up for you. Oh, I'm excited for this time traveling. <laughs> We're doing yes. together. It's great fun. I, Adam Missouri, and I always hope I say his name correctly. Adam, if you're listening, <laughs> forgive me. Um, Adam Missouri, head of Instagram, is hugely active on the Instagram app. I really like that about him, actually. I mean, again, marketers are clever. It's 100% strategic, but to have insight directly from Instagram's head of Instagram as a marketer, as a creator is really useful. There's a lot of information out there that you don't know where it's come from. So to have that source to debunk, set the record straight, I love. So if you don't follow Adam Missouri on Instagram, at Missouri. Awesome. He shares reels. He does Q&As all the time on stories as well. 
something he shared at the beginning of June as a reel on his profile and also as an entire breakdown on the Instagram blog is exactly how each area of Instagram ranks the content it shows to viewers. Today, I'm going to explain how ranking works on Instagram. I did a video like this about two years ago, but we've made a lot of changes and improvements to Instagram over the last few years. So I thought it'd be good to do an updated version. But to start, people often talk about the algorithm, but there is no one algorithm for Instagram. There are many algorithms and ranking processes we use to try to personalize the experience to make it as interesting as we can for each and every person who uses Instagram. We believe in this idea of personalization. What you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, and so therefore your Instagram and my Instagram should be different. And ranking is how we deliver on that promise. The article broke down who and how feed posts are shown, how reels are shown, how explore works, and also who is shown what stories when. So if you haven't read it, the insights are absolutely incredible. I very much appreciate the peek behind a curtain. I think oftentimes we talk about the algorithm like it's, I don't know, some scary magician that we have no insights on. We don't know who it is. We must make it happy and hope it shows our content to people. But actually, there are tons of insights out there that we can use to make really informed technical decisions. I will not bore any of you with all the logistics on how Explore works, how Feed works. Please go and read the blog post. It will explain it much, much greater than I. But something that really got me thinking in terms of my strategy and how I use social media for the clients I work with and for my own socials is how I interact with who I follow with. Now, in the blog post, in the real, Adam broke down the signals that the algorithm uses to determine who your content is shown to, but also what content you as the user are shown, and actually how you can influence where and who your content, your posts are shown to, depending on who you interact with who you DM, whose stories you reply to on Instagram, whose stickers that you respond to on their Instagram stories. Not only does that feed into what you are shown, but also where you are shown as well. And I think that was a real insight for me into how much I can control where my content is popping up, how I'm using the algorithm strategically. So a challenge that I'm really focused on over the next six months is one, being a better community engager. I don't think any of us can do too much of that. I really want to be in my audiences, not just for me, but also for the brands that I work with. So how am I interacting with the people I follow and our community to influence where my content shows up and who it's shown to? I think it's exciting to think about the algorithm as something we have at least partial control over rather than this reigning force that holds us back. You can use it strategically. You can have fun with it. So at Missouri is the Instagram profile, and then it's just on Instagram's blog. If you Google Instagram blog, algorithm ranking, something along those lines, I'm sure you'll find it. Or alternatively, at creators on Instagram, 
always usually has their blog linked in their bio too. So three places you can hopefully find it, but a really good challenge. How are you interacting with the people you follow and your community to influence where you are showing up? So that's my challenge for next month for all of you. Love it. Love a good challenge. I absolutely love that. And actually I can tell you that it has helped us doing that, making that time. It is just, I want to say, because you kind of mentioned it as well, it is just a lot of time. And it's okay, but it is actually more time that we that we sometimes would expect. And um, in some of the chats that we're going to have in autumn for podcast interviews with some amazing fellow marketers as well, uh, we're going to have a couple with some Instagram people and uh, one very, very honest one, which I was super excited to have. And it made me realize as we were talking that actually you can take obviously Instagram really seriously still. And if you do... Lots of reason of investment, lots of connections, even potentially running your whole business. That's what she does. So spoiler alert. But I generally believe that also that means that is understandable if right now, especially, you know, if you want to be more streamlined with your efforts, it kind of shows you that if you want to then, it means that maybe you're going to invest a bit more time on Instagram, which also means maybe is a choice of like where you want to show up. I think it's almost like a reminder, like it's a reminder that also who you engage with affects you, which it does. We have seen it literally more people connecting with us and and kind of you know looking at our content that we want. There are people within the community that we want to engage with, but also it might force you to think about okay, which platforms do I really want to be active on in a way that obviously kind of brings these conversations. Because realistically speaking, if you wanna, if you're a marketer, you will have other priorities. If you're marketing your own business, you will have other priorities. Even if you're working with clients, you know, there's so much you can do. So realistically, if you, dear listener, you can be active, engage and post across four different platforms actively. I'm not just talking about reposting, then just drop us a DM because I want to talk to you because you're going to get a lot of jobs requests because it's true. I mean, maybe it's me, I'm biased and maybe I'm old, but I genuinely feel that if you want to do it well, you have to give it the time that it needs. And for example, personally, if I had to think about doing the same on TikTok and Instagram, I wouldn't be able to. I just wouldn't be able to commit the same level. And I think it's one of those reminders of how obviously putting the time works. And I think is still directing people somewhere else so that then you can own that audience yourself. But if you choose to only show up or if you choose to show up mindfully on some platforms you think are your strongest, I love your challenge. And I'm going to double up onto that and say, make it for you a way to learn whether on this platform you can actually better connect with the right people. And if it doesn't bring you the results you want, if you still find that you're struggling with that, then maybe on this platform, you know, that your community is not the most proactive and maybe it's not worth it being your your main focus right now. That would be my extra reflection from the challenge of what you learned from it. Now, I'll go something as well. Okay, I was thinking, I was like, what are all the things? And I'm literally going to refrain myself from talking about AI as much as I possibly can, because I generally think obviously it's interesting. And I think there's definitely some points within that, but I don't think is where I would like to focus because I honestly believe that there's going to be a lot of AI changes and chatters and things are going to change and shift. One other thing that I found, what I think it would be nice to talk about, because it works really well with all the reflections, they're very much related, aside from totally, a lot of visuals, a lot of Instagram also in there is I found that in the last couple of months, and I think this is going to only progress, uh, a lot of YouTubers and a lot of people that actually produce incredible video content have flocked a bit, like the problem is still on YouTube, but they also flocked very actively on other video platforms, curating and creating like very strong content. 
And what I found based on what I've seen, like in increments of every three months, I've seen that whatever new trends they adopted when it came to their content or their um, even like their filters and their text and their editing, then more and more creators that probably are not the level of those YouTubers have started to do the same and has trickled down to them. So they're almost becoming, in my opinion, the trendsetters of that type of content. Now, that's not to say that there is not um, obviously still things that we know, like B-roll with with text in a lot of platforms and TikTok or Instagram. But I am seeing that, especially for talking heads video, they're kind of setting the tone of what are the latest trends. And it's fascinating as they change. So I can see that becoming more and more, I don't know, this is me, obviously, and there's always a prediction hat that could be very much wrong. But I potentially see, based on what Sophie said earlier, a combination of very raw, very you know, simple and unedited and unfiltered content versus, or even maybe in combination with, some very well carefully produced video content as well, especially when it comes to that less B-roll, less behind the scenes, less kind of spur of the moment. I've seen it with fitness influencers as well. I've seen it in so many ways how it has changed the quality. So even if I hear all the time and I can see that kind of like raw and unfiltered and unedited, I also see a lot of the complete opposite. And I don't know if they're going to always work hand in hand or if some people are just going to choose one over the other, but I can see how this kind of YouTube level of editing and quality might actually influence the way that we produce video content a lot more going forward. I want to hear your opinion because I know it can be contentious because we literally just talk about the power of, you know, creating also moral content. But when I scroll on my, maybe it's because I consume their content, therefore I see more of them. When I consume that video content, I see a lot more of this coming up. And then I look at other accounts that maybe don't have the same level, but I can see how they're mimicking a lot of these trends, a lot of the motions, the animations, this type of very engaging and short content that kind of really wants to get your attention. You know, now that you've said it, I see it. I follow a really awesome guy on TikTok. I follow him on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. I'm a bit of a big fan. Um, This guy called JT Barnett. If any of you spend too much time on TikTok or you're kind of into the creator space, you might have seen him before. I'm not too clued up on his story, but I know that he runs a creator economy, like a creator agency. And he does a lot of content on TikTok, actually in video that's where he started he's now on youtube if i remember right and his content ticks both boxes and i think that the best creators need to do exactly that or at least they might need to in future he has the behind the scenes you know when you grab your phone you share a quick thought it's raw it's probably a bit blurry he's got a smudge on the camera just chatting super organic But then the other end of the spectrum, as you have perfectly defined, is that kind of YouTube translation to short form. You've got the transitions, you've got B-roll, you've got like really awesome font that isn't just in-app reels or TikTok text. And I don't think I've noticed it before, but he shares like a really perfect mixture of the two. So you know him. I understand. Like, I know his story. I feel like I feel like we're best friends. Like, I really enjoy those behind the scenes pieces. 
but also you still see them as that authority figure because you have those really professionally produced pieces of content which in turn I think makes those organic bits feel more special because someone of that caliber is giving me insight like wow that's so cool that's so kind I feel like I know them so actually I think those two I need to update my strategy those two together I think that is so powerful and now that you've said it that I I see it and that oh yeah that's going to be a good one I'm excited to see where that could go I love that to be very honest, I'm not going to take full credit. It's literally Steph against Steph. If you're hearing us, which you probably are, because you edit the, the videos and the podcast. Anyway, she obviously sends me every so often. She kind of feeds my obsession and she sends me a new, really cool creator. I'm going to send you a few, Sophie, afterwards. Um, and dear listener or watcher, if you want some, just let us know. Just go into the DMs at Old Marketing School and I'll send you a couple of links of some of my favorite creators that are doing just that. And they're creating like really interesting kind of branded content i would say they go more towards the a lot of it looks very much like on the same editing stint and that's where i think you know that's a way to do it but i prefer and i'm more re- uh, resonating with your approach which is what i would do as well which is that combination of then showing as you say that more raw and genuine that makes you feel going back to sophia's wedding example that kind of like peek into into the beautiful little door so these are our thoughts let us know if you agree let us know if you have more thoughts or more trends or more things that you think are going to change and come up we will be back anyway very very soon we're going to take a bit of a break as the pod i just want to say as well uh so we're going to do some little throwbacks with some great snippets from the past season as we're going to take a bit of a bit of a step back for a month or so so if you don't hear us you will be still back next week with some old highlights and kind of like what were they called what are they called sophie i'm losing the word um best hits latest hits best hits <laughs> i got it i got it my brain but before that remind us of where people can find out more about you as well and check out some of the posts that you even mentioned today oh of course um it is just at pretty little marketer on instagram and on linkedin you can find me on tiktok but you won't find me (laughs) it's funny we've talked about video today and i'm like wow those are so many cool ideas be organic on video but you'll never catch me recording them i'm not brave enough maybe by next time but yeah pretty little marketer most socials if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn it's Sophie Miller and I have really enjoyed time time traveling with you today it's been it's been great fun well thank you so much Dean it's been an absolute pleasure for me so thank you for joining me for the time travel we'll see what we travel next but as always it's been a pleasure to have you and until next time class dismissed